Welcome to Exhale, a podcast series where we explore topics on spirometry and respiratory care. Your hosts are Mark Russell, Marketing Communications Manager and Jancel Lanier, National Sales Manager and Respiratory Therapist for Vitalgraph US, a global leader in respiratory diagnostics. Mark and Jansen interviewed Lori Wilkin, clinical pharmacist at the University of Illinois at Chicago, an advocate clinical pharmacist with over 20 years of experience in patient care. She possesses a strong background in outpatient pulmonary medicine and has extensive clinical experience with tobacco dependence, asthma, and COPD. Well, hi, Lori. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Mark. Please give us a little background on yourself, education, experience, and your current responsibilities. Sure. My name is Lori Wilkin. I'm a clinical pharmacist, and I work at the University of Illinois at Chicago College of Pharmacy. And also, I work in our outpatient lung health clinic. I obtained my bachelor's and doctorate in pharmacy from the University of Toledo. And currently, I work as the director of our tobacco treatment center. Well, great. Why is spirometry underutilized in the uh, diagnosis and the management of asthma and COPD? Well, Mark, I think there's a lot of reasons why it might be underutilized. Some of it has to do with our healthcare providers and training, and I think a little bit has to do with our patients, too. Sometimes what we see is that there might be a lack of understanding of the importance of getting spirometry for a patient who might be having symptoms or have risk factors. There's also a lack of understanding of the guidelines for asthma and COPD, but I think that that's getting better with more clear emphasis on the need for spirometry in those guidelines that are getting out to our primary care physicians and healthcare providers. And then I think that there's a lack of dedicated professional in each setting to make it easier for that person to have that responsibility in providing the service. For our patients, though, sometimes it means an extra appointment for the patient. And I know that when we request spirometry testing for our patients that we see in the pulmonary clinic, they cringe (laughs) because it's a hard test to do, and they oftentimes don't feel well after they do the test. So I think sometimes they miss those appointments. So what are the ramifications of COPD and asthma patients with the lack of spirometry? Well, I think even before we get to patients being diagnosed with COPD and asthma, we have some patients who are put on really expensive inhalers. Some of those inhalers can also cause side effects, and they've never even had spirometry completed. For instance, our COPD patients, if they don't have airway obstruction, but yet maybe they were smoking a long time and maybe they do have a cough, but maybe that cough is related to cardiovascular reasons and not really airway obstruction. So sometimes we're de-prescribing medications when they come to pulmonary clinic because they've never had spirometry completed. But for our COPD patients, in the literature, there's a range of between 7 and 50% of patients with COPD that have never received the test. So really, we see in the gold guidelines that a requirement for you to be diagnosed with COPD to have a spirometry completed. For the clinic that I work in, sometimes it's a motivating factor for them to quit smoking. Even though it hasn't been shown so much in clinical studies or in the literature, I see that patients sometimes 
you know, everybody, they enjoy smoking, otherwise they wouldn't do it. But if the doctor now says you have been diagnosed with COPD because of these spirometry results, a lot of times that motivates them more to take action and to quit smoking. For our asthma patients, I think it's a little less clear with spirometry and using it as a tool to diagnose them. Sometimes our asthma patients, if they're not symptomatic, their spirometry tests come back normal and, and that's okay. That just means that their disease state is variable and they're not symptomatic on that day. But it can really help patients be put on anti-inflammatory medications that can be life-saving for that group of patients uh, when we have a clear diagnosis of asthma when they do complete their spirometry testing. I've been working with pharmacists a lot uh, the last two years in regards to spirometry and inhaler training. What are some of the challenges pharmacists face in providing spirometry to patients and what barriers commonly face in community pharmacies when they're providing spirometry? Sure. As you know, our community pharmacists have really stepped up over the past couple of years. I think one good example is all of the immunizations that they've been providing in our vaccines for the pandemic. And so, as you can see, the accessibility to our community pharmacists is amazing, but that can also be very overwhelming for our pharmacists, too, when their primary goal in their job is to make sure that those medications are dispensed and that they're safe when they dispense them. So adding on extra work for our community pharmacists can be challenging. So it's really important that they have the right setting in order to be able to do it. So with that would come time set aside to provide the spirometry service. Um, maybe a private area or a space for them within their pharmacy setting to provide a test. And then reimbursement. So oftentimes our pharmacists in this country are providing many clinical services that they do not get reimbursed for. And so it makes it very challenging for them to present that to their employer if it doesn't mean revenue for the organization. But it's really interesting to see that the community pharmacists that are providing the service and they try to communicate the results to the primary care providers via like fax or even like a written recommendation with the results to the primary care physician through the patient. In the literature, we saw one study by Castillo that just showed a 16% response rate when they tried to send out recommendations to the physicians about the spirometry results and management or recommendations for inhaler initiation. So what are the advantages of pharmacists providing spirometry? I know you said one is reimbursement, but what are some of the other advantages, either the patients or the healthcare provider? Sure. So I think an advantage for our pharmacists isn't necessarily reimbursement unless they are located in a clinic setting. We have a lot of clinical pharmacists now that are in different physicians' offices. So it might be family medicine, it might be general medicine or pulmonary clinics, pediatrics, even women's health. I see a lot of our clinical pharmacists helping patients with asthma and pregnancy. So that might be their role in that clinic. And so, of course, that would help with reimbursement and then them being right there with 
the physician. They already have that rapport set up, so it helps with communicating some of the findings and recommendations, and they're more easily acceptable. But we can also incorporate spirometry into a lot of other services that pharmacists provide, like medication management services, inhaler teaching, asthma and COPD education, and then, as I mentioned earlier, the smoking cessation. So I think that having the pharmacist provide spirometry can add to those services and draw patients into learning about other services that the pharmacist can provide. Who would teach the pharmacist how to do spirometry? Not all pharmacists know how to conduct spirometry. That's a very good point. You're right. In our curriculum for pharmacy, we have a very limited amount of time spent even on just what is FEV1 and FEC and what does that mean? Most pharmacists do not receive training on spirometry. But what I did in the past was I went through the NIOSH training for spirometry, and I found that that was really helpful and useful. So I think there's different programs across the country where pharmacists can attend those sessions. And then I think that the ATS and ERS might have some programs set up too that help pharmacists to better learn about spirometry. Got it. We offer um, some training online not just for our products or anything, but in regards to spirometry concepts through uh, one of our websites called spirotutor.com. So I always recommend people check it out, look at the spirometry concepts, kind of goes into the why are we doing spirometry, how is it helping, how to coach the patients, how are we reading, and so forth. So I always recommend that out there, but I'd love to hear that you guys went through NIOSH training. Uh, We work with a lot of the NIOSH providers out there, so I love hearing that. Here's kind of a big question. How do physicians feel about the fact that pharmacists offer spirometry for monitoring patients with asthma and COPD? So there's not a lot of data on what physicians think about this type of service. I can also speak to um, a little bit of history as far as physicians pushback in the past when pharmacists wanted to offer vaccines. And they really didn't like that idea because they felt that it was going to take away from their uh, reimbursement of patients coming into the physician's office and getting vaccinated there. But I think over time that they've learned and seen that, you know, there's more than enough patients that uh, need vaccines and immunizations that they really didn't lose out on that reimbursement or payment that they were getting from patients and that we were just all working together to provide good patient care. So I find that this kind of parallels to that kind of experience with immunizations and vaccines that there are so many patients out there right now that are underdiagnosed for asthma and COPD that are suffering and may not realize or know that they need testing. And so it would be like having a blood pressure monitor in the pharmacy, we can also, a blood pressure cuff in the pharmacy, we can also have these portable spirometers that, you know, patients would have accessibility to a pharmacist 
and be able to at least get some initial screening and a referral to their primary care physician. So we don't have a lot of information, but we also see that um, the emergency room physicians and clinical studies that were published on looking at this were very supportive of the service, whereas maybe in other countries, the primary care physicians and pediatricians were not as supportive of the role, but it also could be a lack of understanding of what pharmacists can do and provide for the patient. So Lori, do you know in different parts of the world, are the relationships of a pharmacist and healthcare professionals different than when it comes to providing spirometry? Yes. So I'm not sure about the relationships. It it could be better or worse. Um, All I can say is that when looking at the literature, we see that there's a huge interest in pharmacists providing this service, especially like in Australia, we see a lot of literature coming out of there for community pharmacists providing spirometry services and getting support from the government to be reimbursed for providing services like spirometry in the community setting. Spain has some information, Italy, the UK, and Canada. So there is an uptake of interest from pharmacists in helping out, helping our asthma and COPD patients, which is really exciting. What other roles are pharmacists do you see in the future that could provide other services other than what we're talking about here about spirometry? The pharmacists that you see everywhere are highly trained. They're they're receiving their doctorates in pharmacy. So a lot of times they are, are experts in the medications. And so what I really see is that more clinical pharmacists working side by side with our physicians in Like I mentioned earlier, all the different clinical settings like pediatrics, outpatient pulmonary. We also have the family medicine and general medicine clinical pharmacists already, but just in more centers than just the academic centers, more private settings where they're going to be incorporated as a medication expert, but also being there to facilitate if needed to do testing and to help with inhaler education and asthma and COPD education. That's great. Do you feel that COVID has really pushed this to the forefront in, you know, like you said earlier, being able to give out the vaccine and stuff to become a more partner with the healthcare professionals in this country? I really think so. So all of the media coverage, I I felt like every time I turned on the TV, you would see pharmacists giving shots to patients in the community settings. And so I think that brought public awareness of what pharmacists can do and how we can help out. And I know that our physicians are so tired right now that I feel like everybody needs a little help and they're realizing that they can't help the patients all by themselves. And if we all work together, it'll make for a better healthcare team and better patient care. No, I, I agree 100%. It's one of those where, uh, let's use COVID as an example. If we didn't have pharmacists capabilities of giving vaccines, how often were, were people going to go to their primary care to get a vaccine uh, when it's as easy as going to your local pharmacist and getting it done? I can, I can attest that each of my shots and boosters came from a pharmacist, even as far as some other, you know, like MMR type shots and things like that. Those, those have been done by a pharmacist as well. So greatly appreciate that capability was put out there because I know it's helped save quite a few lives out there. Well, Lori, this has been great, great insight on the the pharmacy world. 
And is there anything else that you want to tell our listeners about pharmacists, what background and, and future opportunities that they have? I'm just glad that the public is just more aware of our knowledge and our capabilities. And it's definitely an untapped resource for helping provide better patient care. So hopefully we'll be able to have those opportunities more in the future. Yeah, much more stronger role, that's for sure. And I liked your point about the fact that it can help out as a team member for the healthcare professional. Well, great. Lori, hey, thank you so much for joining us here on our podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You've been listening to Excel with Vitalgraph. Your hosts are Mark Russell and Chancellor Lanier. We hope you enjoyed what you heard today. Please follow us for upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to you joining us again on Exhale with Vitalgram.